Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am your founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. And with me today is Lindsay Lees. And here's a bit about Lindsay. She's originally from Los Angeles, but with dual citizenship in the UK. Lindsay grew up in both countries and went on to study creative writing, first earning a BA in 2008 from Manchester Metropolitan University and later followed by a MFA in 2017 from California College of the Arts. The Willing is Lindsay's debut novel. She currently lives a quiet Southern life with her husband and a household, no, a house full of pets. And we'll definitely ask Lindsay, what are those pets? But today we're going to be talking about the psychological aspects around human trafficking, as well as just learning um, from Lindsay's background. She's definitely a wealth of knowledge and information. So without further ado, please welcome Lindsay Lees to GEMS Podcast. Thank you, Genesis. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. This is the first um podcast that I am doing revolving around the book and so I appreciate that it's like the genesis of my podcast so I'm you know already and excited. Thank you so much Lindsay for just sharing and holding space with me and before we dive into um, our topic I want you to share a fun and interesting fact about yourself as a way of an icebreaker. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, uh, A fun and interesting fact. So um, I I went to, um, I grew up partly in England and partly in America. I went to, um, I went to three different high schools and one of them was my sophomore year I spent in England, but it was considered their, um, their final year of high school. So um, that was their year 11. And so I kind of entered into the school and jumped right into their final exams and had to kind of have that experience of like graduating high school in England. And I came back to America and did two additional years um, to get my high school diploma here. So yeah, it was an interesting high school experience. That is interesting. And what led you to growing up in both countries, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, of course. Yes. Uh, So both my parents are British, um, but they, uh, my mom kind of grew up overseas as well because my grandfather was actually a British actor and um, his name was Percy Herbert. And he was in films like uh, Mutiny on the Bounty and Bridge Over the River Kwai. Um, which were sort of famous films of the 50s. And so she she had an affinity for Los Angeles and California. And so she ended up moving over there and bringing my dad with her. And so they, um, they got married and sort of started a family, ended up getting early on in their marriage. And then he moved back to, uh, to England right around when I was in junior high. And so that's what started my kind of back and forth in that country. 
Oh, nice. Thank you for sharing. That is very interesting, too, to hear about your grandfather just being like a movie legend. Yeah, yeah, a little bit in the, in the British acting scene, for sure. <laughs> so do you think having that influence from your, grand, your grandfather and the things that your mother did um, inspired you to become a writer? Creative. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, creative. My brother is an actor. Um, but I was never wanting to be in front of the camera necessarily. So I appreciate the behind the scenes and the, the uh, creative output of writing stories and creating narratives. And that's definitely, I have that blood flowing through my veins, I think. Yeah. That is super cool to hear that your brother is an actor and you're a creative writer. Have y'all thought about doing any um, work together and just playing off each other's strengths? No, (laughs) no, we're not that close, but maybe one day in the future. (laughs) Wishful thinking, you know? Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into um, your book a little bit, The Willing, and then I want you to then take us through human trafficking and why is that topic important to you? Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. Um, There's definitely a lot of aspects in our globally and culturally that have influenced my way of thinking, especially when it comes to um, writing this dystopian book, which is a, um, a type of novel that focuses on uh, a culture, a fictional culture that thinks that it has created a utopian or an idyllic society that is um, in some forms completely perfect and you know has no negative aspects to it. When in reality, when you look at it from a different perspective, then you can see that there are um, pitfalls and there are uh, more negative aspects than positive ones. Um, so The Willing is set in a, a city-state independent nation called Ovoidia, which is um, basically a place where any man can have sex with any girl who's over 16. And that creates a crime-free and utopian society where there's literally no crime. You don't have kidnapping, you don't have murder, you don't have assaults or even tax evasion. You know, there's just like no crime whatsoever. And so in the minds of the Avoidians, they have figured out this loophole where they can live completely in peace, where children aren't uh, aren't negatively impacted, where um, they can basically live kind of divided lives as much as they can. And what I mean by that is that the women uh, primarily live in one side of Ovoidia, which is the communities. And this is where uh, women who have children live and they're given a house in the communities and they're given a living stipend and they're basically have everything provided for them. And the men live in the city, which is where they <clears throat> work, which is where they live and they 
rarely have to kind of combine lives. There's no, there's not really any marriage or anything in the society. Um, over time and over generations, the women of Ovoidia have lost the ability to feel sexual pleasure. So they don't necessarily have any sensation when they're being approached is what, I, what I've termed it. Um, and so they tolerate the, the interactions because they realize that they have everything that they want. They have these very uh, unintimate connections with men and all they have to do is kind of lift their skirt, let them do their business, and then they can get on with their lives. Um, <clears throat> this is then kind of led or um, controlled by uh, a police force called the Crusaders who monitors the, the interactions of everybody and ensures that everybody's um, following the rules and then ruled by head Gajis, who are this group of um, family, this generation of women who kind of were the initial people to create the idea that the women could, could allow this to happen to themselves. And in exchange for this, then they're given peace and a life that is considered more desirable than any of the life that they had historically in the past. And um, so the protagonist of the story is a 15 year old girl because it's any girl who's over 16 that gets approached. And um, the, so the 15 year old girl is Gypsy and she is sort of the exception to the rule. She is the one who can experience sexual pleasure. She has a relationship with a, uh, with a boy who, helps her to discover that she is this anomaly in the society and she can see through the veil that women shouldn't be treated this way and that she has to somehow, you know, find a way out if that's possible. And um, the story is told through a few different perspectives. Um, she is one, she has a 16 year old sister called Sadie who is who conforms to the society, but she isn't necessarily wanting to just get pregnant right away and have a baby and kind of move into the, the, the setup that's been created for her. So she is um, introduced to the city side of the, of avoiding women who don't have children work in these Gaji clubs where they are, basically they provide intimacy for the men. They're like brothels, but they don't really have necessarily like as much sex as a brothel. They are primarily where men go to have an intimate uh, conversational relationship with women so that they can go off, have a meaningful talk, talk about how they feel about things. And so there's this aspect that, um, especially the, the women who don't go into the clubs know about and the needs of, that men have that aren't just primal and physical. Um, and then there's uh, the doctor who is sort of the, the male um, patriarch of the society who spent his life kind of 
uh, enforcing rules and going along and conforming. And as he's aged and gotten older and realized that women aren't entirely happy with the system, that he has sort of switched perspectives and is able to help um, some of the women who want to escape, escape. And um, finally, there's Miles, who is the assistant to the head Gajis, and he is the uh, the covert gay character in the book, who is goes against um, goes against the sort of norm because there's obviously homosexuality would be illegal in this society because it doesn't conform with the systems that they have created, the sort of um, uh, what's that word? Um, blanking on a word, but the, um, <laughs> the, the rules that they've created in order to, um, to have a completely peaceful society. Um, and so he is sort of a, a covert figure as well. Okay. So yeah, there are these uh, characters and then just tying in sort of how that sort of perspective would even be created is where the the human trafficking sort of aspect was inspired for me. Um, so, quick question, Lindsay, before yeah. we go into the human as um, human trafficking aspect. So, when you named uh, like this the town Avoidia, the Crusaders. Um, and stuff like that was avoidia like kind of a play on words with like avoidance because they really wanted to avoid what they were going through or what was your logic behind it behind some of yeah. the names so ovoid is actually like an egg shape mm -hmm. um and so the way that i envisioned the city or the avoidia in itself is sort of like egg shaped whereas there's an out there's the exterior which is the communities and then in the interior like the yoke which is the city and it's sort of surrounded by um by the the area where the women live and then it's centralized by the area where <laughs> the men live but hand in hand yes avoid avoid you know that that just fit in sort of naturally without any intention there okay thank you for sharing that yeah. and then um what was the inspiration behind writing the book the willing and why did you choose the name the willing yeah so um i'm fascinated by global cultures how people treat people differently depending on our society how women are treated differently in different countries. Women are treated in interesting dynamics and social hierarchies in America, you know, just depending on what your culture is. Um, especially with the dichotomy of what in our society, women are sort of being led to, towards as far as independence and self-reliance and gender equality when there are plenty of plenty more more cultures globally that don't conform to that concept um in america in england there is the um 
the gypsy culture, which is, um, which has young girls married at a young age and they are kind of given these lives where they don't have to work or outside of their homes and they are homemakers and have a lot of kids and so and they're very happy for to to maintain and um continue that culture for you know how, however long you know it lasts and then of course there's treatment of women in the middle east you know which has always been the most fascinating i think human trafficking my interest fascination because it is a fascination started with the war in Afghanistan and the treatment of um, the sexual slavery of women in because of ISIS and the and then kind of wondering psychologically how that would impact women if nothing were to change if they grew up generationally in this violent uh, world where they have no choice and what would allow them to then want to create a different setup for themselves and what that would look like necessarily. Um, And then you just hear stories, you know, just, just anecdotally about women who are trafficked, are prostitutes are um, sexually abused and how they disconnect emotionally, how they can um, kind of separate themselves from their bodies so that they're not experiencing the visceral action necessarily. And not to say that this happens to everybody, but I um, have definitely heard stories about the disconnect being able to happen. And and that's how a lot of women survive it. Um, And then sort of what that disconnect would look like on a more uh, wide scale. So whenever you think about human trafficking, and whenever you share this topic, you're more so doing it from the psychological aspects of human trafficking for them to really survive what they're going through, right? Yeah, as a creative writer, yeah, absolutely. It's always like looking at the subconscious elements, the um, the the emotional impact it, as an empath. You know, it's like feeling, trying to do your best to sort of feel what uh, what that experience must be like to an extent. Have you ever thought about um, interviewing some survivors from human human trafficking to kind of see, okay, is my theory right? Like, and is there more that I need to talk about in with human trafficking from the psychological aspect and maybe incorporating another aspect of human trafficking and just really kind of bring that together because sometimes women who are in human trafficking, like it's like like you said, they separate it just so they could survive it but then whenever they get out of it a lot of those women end up becoming thrivers and they become advocates to make sure that no one else goes through human trafficking so what are your thoughts around interviewing um survivors as well as thrivers yeah no absolutely I think it's an 
an excellent point. Um, I've definitely um, made an effort through the research of this novel to to speak to um, a couple of of people who are more um, public about their experience and how it the negative aspects of what they went through allowed them to overcome it and um, focus on a more brighter future, absolutely. So when you have those conversations, can you share one that just really left an impact on you once that woman opened up about what she went through? Um, I think it was just, I think it's more about that there are, there was this sense of not letting the tragedy rule their life, that there is a, um, that there is a sort of a silver lining. And I think that it wasn't just, um, that that as strong-willed as we are able to be that certain situations aren't always going to be the ones that that break us down and that's not always true for everybody um i think there was a the most sort of poignant fact about it was that a lot of people, you know, can't overcome it, but that there are a few examples of people who are more empowered to prevent that sort of experience from destroying them. And that there's this Um, there's this strength that is embodied in that. And, and I think that that's kind of where um, the inspiration for the Gajis and the story is, is sort of rooted in because it's like the women in my story don't want to feel like they have no other options, but they live in a world where unless they could find some sort of solution that the, that their trauma and their abuse was just going to continue. Um, so while it isn't a conventional solution, it creates this, society that we don't we could never imagine you know we live in a in a society where violence is tolerated to an extent extent and it has to be because we are given free will and choices and opportunities and the right to make our own decisions about things whether they are good or whether they are bad and um so we live in fear in a lot of ways. And in Avoidia, they don't live in fear. They feel empowered by what the choices that they've made. 
and their bodies have in turn responded to that by protecting them and not allowing them to feel, you know, when they're being assaulted or when they are being touched in a way that isn't necessarily uh, condoned or reciprocated. Um, and so I know that readers of the book will kind of can struggle to understand why anybody or why a group of women, especially the leaders of the society would allow that to happen to them. But I think that there needs to be a clear understanding that they made the choice because they don't want to live in fear. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to live disempowered when they have decided that they can create that power. And even that power isn't, isn't because men want that, you know, the Gaji clubs are created because the men need the intimacy and the emotional connection that is provided when they don't allow when there's only physical touch that is uh that is tolerated amongst men and women um and that there's a there's a deprived aspect to it as well that isn't one that the men necessarily want to have um controlled in the society Thank you for elaborating there. And as we wind down um, this segment, I want you to leave the listeners as well as the viewers with your call to action for this segment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I am a, uh, I've self-published this novel. It's, it's examining so many different aspects of society, whether it's feminism from both sides, whether it's human trafficking, whether it's toxic masculinity or the negative impacts of what not having a patriarchy masculinity in our society looks like or in their society. Um, and so just getting people to read the the book and and give me feedback you know and let me know I love reading people's feedback and seeing what different perspectives are brought up and feelings you know if nothing else this book love it or hate it it's going to make you feel something um so I just you know want to see the book in people's hands more and and getting that sort of reaction from uh, from my readers. Thank you for sharing that. And how can the listeners and viewers connect with you? And where do you primarily hang out on social media? Yeah, so um, I am primarily on um, Instagram at lindsleys42. And um, viewers, readers can check me out at thewillingnovel.com. That's uh, my website and they can find links to buy the book and um, learn more about it, uh, learn a little bit more about me. And 
Um, yeah, and reviews on on Amazon and reviews on Goodreads. Um, you can get a sense of what some other people have thought about the book so far. Um, I have a, a promo for the book coming up on the April 20th for a week where the ebook will be available for 99 cents. So um, you can look out for that. And um, yeah, that, that's about it. Well, there you have it, listeners and viewers of Gems Podcast. You just heard Lindsay Lees. She is the author of the Willing Novel. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. Uh, make sure you subscribe and share this segment if it resonates with you. We are on 40 plus platforms. You could also follow us on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. We're also looking for brand ambassadors and sponsorship for this podcast. As you know, we are ranked in the top 3% globally per www.listennotes.com. So come on over and tap into the community and find more information by going to genesisamariskemp.net. Until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.